There seems to be some comfort taken, particularly by progressives, whether of our tradition or others, in pointing out the one common principle that uh, is shared with all the major religions of the world and most of the minor, not major ones as well, the less um, densely supported other religions. That common ideal is one of showing loving, loving kindness and compassion towards other people. Even if it's not perfectly realized in practice. The ideals don't simply sit in ancient documents, but great teachers and leaders such as Gandhi and the Dalai Lama um, from Hindu and Buddhism, respectively, live their lives trying to carry and spread that message to the world around them. And it's true that some version of what, the, what Christians call the golden rule can be found in the writings of all of those traditions. But religion isn't just about ethics and morality. It's also, it also involves assertions about the meaning and purpose of life, the nature of life, and what happens next. Because religion is more about it is about more, we can easily do those of other traditions a disservice by trying to group everybody under one umbrella and thinking, okay, we all agree, it's just it's just language. Because it's not. If we if we want to understand people in other cultures, which is getting our heads involved then we need to do what we can to understand the differences as well as the similarities. We won't get very far in our conversations and efforts to bridge divisions if we walk in the door offending people because we think they agree with us. Being mindful that morality looks very different from within other traditions and behaving as respectfully as possible in regards to someone else's views certainly helps. Still, there are other ideas within many traditions that are not always comfortable to us. We seem also to like uh, results, conclusions. We don't like things to stay open-ended for too long. And so, I think that's a part of the Western tradition, um, Western religious traditions that have life be something that starts here, ends here, and you only do that one time. Um, what happens next, that part of the deal is done. We're, and then, you know, that makes us anxious to think that things can go on and on and on and on. We don't know what to do with that. So, you know, while I have heard any number of us say that we really kind of believe in the idea of reincarnation, what that means to us has very little to do with what it looks like in other traditions. 
Um, like, even though the, I have read that the Buddha had trouble articulating this himself, and the, and the tradition of the Dalai Lama would certainly seem to argue this point, my understanding is in the Buddhist tradition, they do not believe that this, the self-identified egoic awareness, you know, the, the self moves from one life to the next, that it's actually more like one candle lighting another. You know, so you don't get to be the same person forever in, in this idea, or the, the way that we think of ourselves, you know. So would you be as inclined to support that idea if you had to give up yourself in the process? Um, I recognize that some of you present may fully self-identify with traditions other than those that are historically Western. And any number of us may find uh, other specific concepts within other non-historically Western traditions that resonate with us and that, and that uh, we try to find some meaning in. But I'm afraid we may often be guilty of what gets called cafeteria approach to religion. We go here and we grab this thing and take it and do with it what we think it means and employ it you know, to our, our satisfaction. We go to this religion and maybe take this piece from it and make it part of our practice. And I'm not saying that generally that's a bad thing. What I'm saying is it doesn't give you the essence of those religions and, and what the religions are about are paths of transformation. And if we pull these pieces out of them, we're stripping that potential away from them. Now maybe we have enough discipline in our own lives to develop um, practices that can prove transformational for us but in the adult education class this morning, we were talking about um, the Dalai Lama and how he radiates joy and, and carries peace with him everywhere he goes. But he and Archbishop Desmond Tutu and uh, there was somebody else I named earlier. They spend hours every day in meditation. The kind of time they have to commit to bolstering their center from which we do well to live is not typical for us. So to expect ourselves to be able to live that way is probably a setup for disappointment. What we can do is get better at it. What we can do is try to find ways to be devoted to something that we know is transformative. Now, other parts of those traditions, like in Native American religions, there is the uh, 
the great who, the circle of earth, life, sky, and spirit. Um, and it's without beginning and it's without end. Unitarians don't generally like that idea. Um, and, I, and I know I'm painting with broad brushes and there is nothing in a Unitarian Universalist church that covers everybody when we do that. Um, the actual name for the what we commonly call the medicine wheel is different from tribe to tribe and it's guarded such that it's not shared with outsiders. So we, we use this term to refer to something that is very sacred and about which we will never have full understanding unless we go into direct training from people out of those traditions. But that's a circle. In Buddhism, the first noble truth is that life is dukkha, and we simplify, oversimplify dukkha as meaning suffering, but it includes a lot of other things that kind of escape Western thought. It, uh, it also includes being unsatisfactory and pain. And, um, but the wheel of life is the wheel of birth and suffering and death and rebirth and suffering and, and death. And there are all these realms that are a part of that that Westerners don't generally incorporate into their Buddhist practice. Three of them are positive, three of them are negative, or uh, comfortable and uncomfortable. And uh, it's just part we choose to edit out. But it has a great deal to do with the perspective in that culture of what karma means, what reincarnation means, and if we strip it away, we're, we're losing the power of guidance that's in that tradition. In Hinduism, cosmic consciousness is found in meditation uh, and frees one from the effects of being emotionally buffeted about by events. In the book Revi Revival, Hindu Mysticism According to the Upanishads, which was first published in 1934, life is delight as opposed to suffering in the Buddhist tradition. For life is rhythm, which I think really translates more into the idea of vibration uh, and resonance. But uh, so life is delight, life is rhythm, the more the harmony, the easier the flow of life. But this intensive attraction of life ceases to be effective in the transcendent calm. When the soul becomes completely freed from its intoxication with this rhythm. Life has ebb and flow. The joy of life cannot be, cannot compare with what they call the dignity of silence. Calm is life without ripple, without ebb and flow. It's the plen plenitude of existence, 
The emancipation is certainly different from the values and ideals that lie hidden in life. Though it's a tradition being broken, I think, I think more frequently now than before, because joy in Hinduism is not about life circumstance, but about harmony. The masses historically have accepted the placement, their placement in social order that was assigned to them at birth. There was not striving to move up in life and become something other than that into which you were born. I don't think that's a very comfortable idea for people in the Western world either. Because they understood this vital joy not to be contingent on out external factors, they were okay wherever they were, and it's not easy. I'm sure that there are all kinds of arguments against pretty much everything I'm saying. Because I'm speaking generally and I'm covering too much too fast and doing it from my Western understanding. But we can lift high the shared ideal of compassionate, loving kindness the golden rule of doing unto others as we would have them do unto us. And we can hold that in common with other traditions. It's a place to start. It's a place to live from. But if you get your head involved, you're going to have to do some work at understanding too. Um, and we can do all we can to better practice loving kindness and compassion. Still, if each of us does, if we do, in fact, share, affirm, and promote seven principles that were created and adopted over years by democratic process and Unitarian Universalism, we're quite likely to have a whole lot more in common religiously with one another than we do with those in other traditions. In Hinduism, they talk about rhythms. In Buddhism, they talk about cycles. In Native American tradition, they talk about circles. We like to be kind of lean. When things have to change, and we don't expect it, we can get pretty uncomfortable. But remembering the circles and cycles of all organizations and the changes that are necessary in any living entity, the endings inherent in, in every beginning and the beginnings inherent in every end, let us also remember our covenant to one another to dwell together in peace, 
to speak our truth to one another directly, respectfully, and with love, and to listen with intention to understand more than to respond. Listen more to understand than to respond. Not only is loving kindness the ideal we share with every major religion in the world, love is our doctrine. 